Hey there, folks. Episode 10 of the Because I'm Carlos podcast. Back for one more episode before the end of the month. And as it turns out, the time I'm recording this, September the 30th, is International Podcast Day. So it feels kind of appropriate, uh, given that we are on the International Podcast Day, that I would be doing a podcast episode today. And if you checked out the title, you're going to see that the title itself is called The Halo Effect in the Hobby. And I probably put that in quotation marks just because I'll kind of talk through that idea a little bit. And then I want to use an example. Because on the YouTube channel, uh, literally yesterday, I was on the I was on the channel on kind of an impromptu live stream with uh, Bobby Burrell, where we were discussing HGA's latest video, where they explained, or at least gave a three-minute video talking about a little bit about their AI process and their program. And we discussed the relative merits of it. And to be honest, it was a lot of fun. I like to poke fun at stuff like that and videos of that sort. But... In the course of that discussion, I did make allusion to one thing that I always think is kind of interesting. And that's what is leads to the topic of this specific podcast episode. And that is the idea of a halo effect in the hobby. And let me kind of explain what that is. And then I'm going to use three different examples to kind of give you an idea of how that plays into a lot of different areas. But we'll stick to the theme of third-party graders since that's an easy one to have kind of a at least a close comparison of three different options to it. Um, so the halo effect, really, you can get a lot of definitions to it, but just understand it's a cognitive bias. It's, a, it's something that we, we have in there that builds in a little bit of bias. Our overall impression of a person influences how we feel and think about their character. So basically, your overall impression of a person impacts your evaluations of that person's specific traits. So the example that, uh, you know, one of the examples I pulled up is, oh, because they're very nice, they must also be very smart. Well, that makes no sense if you really think about it, but it's a cognitive bias. Perceptions of a single trait can carry over to how people perceive other aspects of that person. And what I'll do in the episode, I'll include link to a couple of different sources you can look up. It, the, the idea is the same, but it's just how we perceive. Um, a lot of times they focus on how we perceive attractive people and then give them uh, credit for other things that they may or may not have just based on that idea. But it also applies to other areas. It means we give people credit if we like them. It means we give them a little bit more leeway than we would if an identical set of circumstances to somebody we don't like. And so it can work in reverse too. If we don't like somebody, well, then we don't trust them. They're not trustworthy. Whether they've done anything to either earn or not earn our trust is, is of no consequence. It's, it's that bias. It's a cognitive bias. Now, as pertains to the hobby, we oftentimes look to someone, if someone is a collector, we give them a little bit more credit. If someone is likable, we give them a little bit more credit. If they, you know, if they're out in the open, they speak well, they seem to take accountability, you know, they say the things we want to hear, we give them more credit. And even then, things can turn. And I want to use three different examples. So I mentioned already HGA. And in the example of HGA, um, they released a new video on AI. Now, a lot of folks are going to make fun of it, myself included, to be honest with you. But it was kind of funny because one of the things that I was thinking about, even as I was doing that live stream, is that in, in a way, it's good for HGA because the fans aren't really going to be dissuaded by the video, even though I wasn't super impressed with it. But the good news is we're spending our time focusing on the definition of what is artificial intelligence, what is AI, what is not AI. We're looking at definitions and all that. And the whole time I'm chuckling and I played into it because, to be honest, it was kind of fun to make fun of the video or have a chat about it. But the truth is, uh, at the end of the day, when I get up the next day, I actually don't care whether HGA has AI or not. And I'll play this into the whole halo effect thing in a second. Because the truth is, I don't care if a third-party grader is using voodoo magic in a Ouija board. Uh, the reality is, as long as it meets the criteria of what I want, as long as I'm getting proper authentication, as long as I'm getting some measure of consistency, and, you know, this is a fallacy as well, because people will be like, oh, well, you know, these other third-party graders are not a consistent, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, this is the future. That's where the fanboyism kicks in a little bit. And I say, 
I don't care. I'm, I'm focusing on one thing at a time. If you want to focus on the, on the issues with a different third-party grader, well, then by all means, let's have that discussion. But then let's finish the discussion with this first one, because I want to focus on the relative merits that it has. And that's where this cognitive bias also comes into play, and I'll give you guys a couple of examples. So let's start with HGA. Uh, Tyler Hitt, who is the CEO of HGA, has done the interview circuit of a lot of podcasts and things like that. And he is an extremely well-spoken guy. He's very passionate. Uh, he, he, he's, he's a guy who says the right things. He, people really seem to like him. And what I did as part of this discussion when I wanted to look at it is I said, okay, while I'm having this discussion and while I'm talking about it, let me go and pull up some YouTube uh, videos uh, pertaining to some recent interviews he's done. And some of them are from months ago and some of them from earlier. And I'll include links to some of these in the description of both the YouTube and on the, um, on the audio podcast, just so that you can have that for contrast and comparison. But for example, back in March on the Sports Card Nonsense uh, podcast and YouTube channel, he did an interview. And in the YouTube version, you can actually see the guy, you can listen to him talk, and you can be part of the conversation. I remember listening to it originally. I don't remember exactly what he said, but for the purposes of this conversation, that's actually not important. What's important is, and sometimes you get a lot of good feedback on stuff like this, is scroll down and look at the comments. And just don't focus on specific one comment or two, but folk, pay attention to the general tenor of comments. So Tyler, like I said, is a guy who's very well-spoken and he's trying to promote his company and they're trying to build themselves up. And this was all the way back in March. So this is far, far, far months in the past from where we're looking at the current situation now with uh, some of the issues they've been having with some of the labels, with some of the holders not holding together. Little issues here and there. And then there is, uh, you know, the circulating thought that there is a uh, Gretzky rookie that might have been... Uh, you know, a counterfeit that might be in the holder. And I haven't corroborated that, but I have, but I have heard enough smoke with that. And we'll have to see. But the point is, they, it's for certain folks, that's, you know, that's the death nail, that's it. But for other folks, it's like, oh, well, you know, they're growing pains, you know, they're working on it. Uh, the other third party, great. so why are you getting so much leeway? And a lot of that pertains to this halo effect that I'm talking about. And I want you to listen to some of the comments. I'm going to read you some from this YouTube, uh, from this YouTube uh, video. And it'll, you'll get kind of the general idea. And remember, this is six months ago. If he did the interview today, maybe it'd be a little bit more mixed, but just to understand where we were. So one person says here, I've seen a few interviews with Tyler and I like him more every time. Keep up the good work. Keep it fun. I appreciate it. Okay. Very nice comment. Good. I love what HGA is doing. Great interview. I'll be sending him a little lot soon. Two of the... Um, so actually, let me scroll down a little bit here. Ah, uh, here, this is a good one. I love the man, has integrity, and seems like he's got it going on. Impressive thing that you could deduce from a, you know, a half hour, you know, conversation. He's got a lot of integrity. and seems to have a lot going on. Interesting. But when you go through it and figure out a lot of it, and you go in here, and I'll give you one more example here before I move on to the next video. This dude, Tyler, grubbing on pizza and drinking a soda. That's how laid back he is. Got a bunch of cards on one slab at HGA. Don't really care about the grades. Just love how the label slabs and the main man, Tyler. Now, there's more to the comment, but do you kind of understand my point? None of that has anything to do whether HGA is a good third-party grader or not. All of these comments are based on the idea, based on the representation that Tyler had in the interview and how he presented himself. Oh, man, I like that Tyler guy. Yeah, let me support this company. Another comment is literally, I like this company. Based on what? Based on one interview? <laughs> and... Um, What's kind of an issue currently, and I touched on it a little bit during that live stream, is that I'm still not completely convinced that they're actually qualified to authenticate cards. Um, that's why I say the whole AI conversation is fun. It's a great conversation to have and uh, to enjoy, to have some fun with. But like as I went back to before, I actually don't care, you know, to, to let you guys in a secret. I actually don't care what technology or lack of technology they use. I don't care if they use magnifying glasses or if they do, in fact, use Voodoo and Ouija boards. All I care about is... 
am I able to look at the card and it seems like within a reasonable proximity of what this grade should be? Do I feel like there's a consistency to it to a certain point? And you can argue for all the third party graders, positive and negative, whether they're good at that or not. But when it comes to an HGA and a new company, that credibility issue, you don't get credibility with me just for existing. You don't get credibility with me because you're new and don't have the baggage of an older company. You don't get credibility to me just because we don't like the other third party graders. You can't just be like, oh, I want an alternative and be so desperate for it that you immediately jump on the first bandwagon of someone who says nice words or throws it out there and, you know, seems to present themselves well. But Tyler got a lot of that early on. People jumped on the bandwagon as quickly as they could because they're like, oh, this guy gets it. It's like, no, hold on. Let's, he might be a good businessman. He might be able to speak well and, you know, be passionate about what he's doing. It doesn't mean he's good at this. And it doesn't mean he's actually able to run a company that can do this because they've had their growing pains. They've had their issues. You kind of have to let it play out. If he was a faceless, you know, if it was a faceless company that you didn't know who owned it, would you still treat it the same way? Would you still be as willing and as comfortable with it if you didn't have that halo effect in effect? The answer probably is no. And that to me is problematic because we're putting so much emphasis on the presentation of the individual as opposed to why don't we just look at the business on its merits and see if it's good or not and see if we like it or not, see if it works or not, and then we'll figure it out from there. But a lot of people put a lot of stock into the owner or the person presenting themselves as the forefront of the company. Fair enough, I get the idea. Now, quickly, uh, when I'm going through this, uh, next one that I would give you as an example as well is that this is more recent. So this is from Bench Clear Media. And you had Peter Steinberg, who is the president of SGC. Now, SGC, by contrast, is a long-running company. They've been around a long time. And Peter, they had some issues when the pandemic initially started. There was a big ramp up in submissions, and they had their struggles. And he's done very well, maybe in the last year or so, maybe a little longer, uh, in terms of coming around. And they've accepted a lot of responsibility for it and been very accountable and all that. Again, another example of somebody who is presenting themselves very well in the public eye with interviews and with discussions. It's good because it, it helps promote the product. It really does a good thing. So this is from a recent conversation. And again, all of these interviews, I will include a link into it and so you can watch them. And you can also check out the comments and just see what I'm talking about as well. So real quick, I'll scroll down a little bit. Uh, so first comment on here that I can see is, I wish Peter had time to do a podcast for SGC or put resources into having spokesman to do a podcast for the company. The perspective from inside the industry is so interesting and informative. And he's right. Can be information helps both the collector, investor, and hobbyists alike. Congrats to him and the company for trying to improve themselves and make the hobby grow. Well, that company's not new. They've been around a long time. Theoretically, all companies should be trying to improve themselves. I understand the general tenor of this, com of this comment, but I'm just throwing it out there. I just wanted to kind of make sure we understand here. Um, here we go. Really hard to find anyone else in the hobby that advocates for their company and the hobby more than Peter does. Always impressed to hear interviews with him. You can just tell his passion, the passion is real and he's not just punching a clock at SGC. That could very well be 100% true. But here's what's very, very interesting. That is completely irrelevant to whether SGC is good or not. He could be the most passionate guy in the world. But if he's running the company poorly, who cares? I'm not, I'm not really moved by that. Uh, I want to judge it based on its own merits. And by the way, just to be clear, as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, SGC has been doing a pretty good job. They've done a good job with it. They've still got their challenges if they want to try to move themselves up the pecking order and be at the top of the food chain. But guess what? SGC isn't new. They've been around for over 20 years. So they've got a good reputation overall and they've been doing some good things. And Peter's been out there being a spokesman and doing a great job at that. So let me be clear on those issues. And interviews like this only help that. And obviously people are really into it. But think about how people here spent a great amount of time talking about how passionate he is and how the passion is real. And he's not just punching. Here's the truth. If the guy who's running the co company of third-party graders punching the clock and really doesn't give a crap, 
but the company is running well and, and you're getting your product that you're paying for in a good time, good turnaround and all that. I don't really care how we ended up there. I don't care if I don't know who's running the company. I don't care if I don't know who the president is. That actually has no bearing on my interest in either using the product or not. I'm going to do it based on the product that is coming out. If I go and pay for a service and I'm getting the service that I expect and or better, then I'm going to judge it as this is good. This They're doing a good job here. Not, oh, well, this guy interviews well and I like what he's saying. How how passionate or not passionate it is to be, it has no bearing on how interested I am in using their product. But I get the idea, but people are swayed by this. That's part of the reason why I say this whole halo effect concept. But just think about that. A lot of this emphasis is, man, oh man, you know, great conversation. I love what he's saying. You know, great interview. It's great, but very interesting. Very, and you know, and a lot of emphasis is put, like if they've got hobby roots, if they've got a background in the hobby, we love that. We love that. Unless there's an issue, in which case then we go back to our default. It's like now suddenly we don't care as much. That's always what makes it kind of fun for me. Now I'll do one more here. Uh, same ideas. We're sticking to the third party greater theme. Okay. So this one is also from uh, sports card nonsense as well. And this was an, ep an episode they did on the ringer uh, YouTube channel. And again, I'll include links to this in the description um, where they're talking about Nat Turner. They're talking to Nat Turner, who uh, was part of the group that took over Collectors Universe and in turn PSA. Now, Nat Turner is a great collector. He's ha He's got a huge collection. You know, you can find a lot of his stuff on Instagram and as well as Flickr and stuff like that. Amazing collection. Great collector. Is definitely passionate about the hobby. All 100% true. But he is the one who is the public face of PSA. Now, remember, SGC has their fans and they've been developing, you know, this cult following. Again, they've been around for a long time. HGA has been developing, you know, this cult following of, you know, very very stringent fans who are huge on supporting them um, because they love Tyler. And, you know, Peter. people love Peter because he's so forthcoming and he's got the passion and all this stuff. Nat Turner has lots of passion. He collects, he, he spends enough money on cards for his own personal collection before he ever got involved in any of this. It, it's hard to argue that he, he isn't interested in the hobby. But... He is the person who's the public face of PSA and PSA has the biggest backlog in the hobby. And PSA is, you know, the one who doesn't say a heck of a lot. They don't really come out with the warm and fuzzy feelings. They've got more of a corporate structure and all that. Well, they don't get the same kind of halo. Although initially when Nat Turner was part of that group and they first got in, plenty of content providers out there says, well, I trust Nat, you know, I trust his judgment. You know, he's going to be looking out for us. Very interesting. Uh, so looking in the comments here, when I first heard that Mr. Turner is buying PSA, I was very glad. To be clear, he's part of the group. Um, you know, there's the Steve, I think Steve Cohen. There, there's more than just Nat Turner, but yes, understandable. I was very glad and hope a famous collector would have a positive influence on that company. I still did not give up hope, but more and more people distance from PSA because of the grading criteria, mislabeling, and turnaround time. It is not primarily the fee, but I'm willing to pay for a good, fast, and equal service, but that is not the case. So at this point, a little bit of the bloom is off the rose. Nat Turner no longer has the halo effect. Initially, he did have a little bit of a halo effect, not dissimilar to Tyler and Peter, because, you know, he was a collector. He, when you're the new guy coming in, people assume that, you know, heads are going to roll and there's going to be major change, but you're still running a business. And just because Nat is a tremendous businessman, which he is in a lot of other categories, he hasn't run hobby companies up until this point. And PSA is its own beast. It's already been, PSA is 30 years old. They've been running a certain way a long time. You cannot flip the thing upside down and fix it overnight or even in a year or two. And once you're in there and you actually look at the situation, you're going to ask yourself the question is, to be maximally profitable, should I even do some of these things that initially I came in thinking I should do? And then all of a sudden, you don't do some of the things that people think you were going to do. And then suddenly disappointment sets in and the halo effect starts to fade. 
It's very interesting because if you go back to when Nat initially was part of that group that took over, there was a much more positive vibe to a lot of these things. And now it's taken a little bit of a turn because people realize that, oh, PSA hasn't changed that fundamentally. How interesting. Again, the other ones, in relative terms, they've been added a little bit less time. Peter's been around, but at the same time, you know, he... He's faced his challenges, and like I said, they've taken ownership of it. Their customer service, by all accounts, is really good. So they're still getting a lot of benefit of the doubt. But it's one of those things. It's like the uh, the Batman phrase, you know, be a hero and live or live long enough, you know, die a hero, sorry, or live long enough to become a villain. I wanted to make sure I got that quote right, but basically that's that's the idea here. Uh, Not you know started off, but he didn't die a hero, so now he's sticking around long enough to become a villain. And it'll be interesting to see if the other guys have a similar kind of thing. Going through a couple of more uh, comments here. Dude is one of the biggest, is the biggest disgrace to the hobby. Damn, Nat, I rooted for you. Well, that was quite a turn, wasn't it? <laughs> from from rooting to him to not uh, to not being super pleased. The biggest disgrace in the hobby. I think that's uh, that's quite a bit of uh, you know that's quite a bit of a turn there. Very interesting. Um, it, it's very genuinely intriguing when it comes to stuff like this because, like I said, uh, when Nat initially came in, I remember listening to a lot of folks in the hobby that uh, have a lot of background in it talking about how, you know, oh, this is great. Nat's going to be in here and, you know, he's going to change things and it's going to fix all this stuff. Again, some other other people didn't really have the background to be able to say one way or the other. But now, obviously, a lot of folks are like, oh, man, PSA is broken. PSA sucks. Let's go to HGA. Let's go to SGC. Beckett's kind of a black box. Nobody really wants to talk about them. But it's funny because Beckett, out of all of them, really doesn't have the individual. I think there is um, the gentleman, Jeremy, from Beckett, who's said a couple of things recently and obviously taken some flack for it. But for the most part, he's kind of out of the public eye comparatively to these other guys that I'm comparing it to. So it's not like he's in a position. People know, though, that Beckett is part of a larger company. And it just operates that way. They're kind of, they are a black box. They don't really say a heck of a lot most of the time. They don't really have a singular representative that kind of um, stands there and speaks on their behalf. So in a certain way, they, they're not above criticism. They certainly get criticized plenty, but it's kind of um, diffused over a variety, over the company as a whole, as opposed to the individual who gets either credit uh, for the halo effect or, you know, gets denounced as being the villain in the story. It's very interesting. It's just... Um, it, it comes down to PSA uh, had certain expectations when they came in. Uh, they haven't been met. So now it no longer matters that Nat Turner is a great collector or not. Nat Turner is still a great collector. Um, he may be the nicest guy in the world. A lot of people who know him well speak highly of him. It doesn't, cha- doesn't change anything because people are looking now at the service of PSA today and they're not satisfied with the way things have turned and gone. And eventually that halo effect dims and fades. And then it comes down to how well are you running this company? How good a job are you doing at actually producing the product or doing whatever you're supposed to be doing? It no longer matters how nicely you speak in interviews or how much people personally may like you. That no longer shields you from criticism or critique. And I I just push against the idea, maybe we should just start pretending that, you know, all of these companies are faceless because just judge the company based on the merits of the job they're doing. Are they doing a good job or not? That's the only question that matters. And even, like I said, we get, we get caught up in the minutia. That's why I say when I, this, what led into this whole conversation was the, was the live stream I did where I was having some fun, like a lot of other people doing, reacting to HGA's video about their whole AI thing. Let me state at this point, I'm not really going to harp on that point anymore. I had my fun with it. I don't care about HGA's AI, whether they have AI or they don't have AI, whether they develop it or don't develop it. It actually makes no difference to me whatsoever how they arrive at their grades as long as they are able to develop some kind of consistency and they get the result. To me, the most important thing for any third-party grader, that goes HGA, SGC, PSA, Beckett, any of the other ones that want to give it a shot, the only thing I really care about, uh, CSG as well, the only thing I really care about with any of these third-party graders is 
Can you authenticate items correctly so that I know that the card in the holder is the card on the label? Can you make sure that, within reason, because manufacturing things happen, can you make sure that things are sealed up properly? Can you make sure they're real? Can you make sure you put the right thing out there? And if there's an issue, can you correct it? And of course, you know, is the value proposition there? Because even if you do all these things incredibly well, but it cost me $100 to send in a car that, that I can get no more than $80 for, well, number one, I was an idiot for sending it to you in the first place, because that was my mistake. I'll take some ownership over that. But at the same time, it means there's really no reason to send it to you, or there's no reason to send it at all. And to that degree, a certain amount of onus has to be on the consumer themselves to make that decision. But then don't get mad at somebody who looks at that value proposition and says, oh, well, but, you know, the, the owner is, you know, a really great guy. And I'm like, that's great. There's a lot of really great people that are running businesses that don't deserve your patronage. Just because they're nice people doesn't mean they deserve your patronage. Because these are not necessities in the hobby. Third-party graders are not now, nor have they ever been necessities. What they are is they're a value-add service that can do something for you potentially, depending on why you're sending it in. If you're doing it for authentication, that makes sense. If you're doing it to resell, it's a lubricant to the market. It helps get the card out there. I know for somebody who's sold things on eBay, I know that I don't even want to enter into the condition conversation. I don't want to send 50 more scans to somebody. I would rather send it to a trusted third-party grader that at least has some credibility in the market and be able to say, look, it is a PSA 9, it's an SGC 9, it's a HGA 9, whatever you want to take, whatever you want to put out there, CSG 9. It is what it is. You don't agree with it? Take it up with the third-party grader. You know, go call Tyler, go call Peter, go call Nat. Don't bug me. <laughs> That's really what I want to do because I just don't want to have that conversation because then you're into a protracted million and 18 scans and an endless conversation about it. It's just one step out of the process to make it easier for you. And if you're a collector, then it's a different consideration entirely. Then it's just value and how do you enjoy the presentation? Do you like the SGC, you know, black tuxedo design? Great. Uh, do you like the labels on HGA? Then it might still be perfectly fine. As long as they at least put it in the holder correctly for you and it looks good, then as a collector, you're fine. Then the resale doesn't really matter anymore. It's not an issue. Then the only thing you're focused on is as long as they take care of your cards and get them back to you in one piece, you're a happy camper and you're good to go. But just keep in mind, and the kind of the final thesis on this is, and this will continue to happen going forward, Let's start looking at products and services and things based on the merits of the product and service standalone from the individual that represents them. Let's stop worrying about whether they're likable or not likable. Let's stop worrying about whether they seem trustworthy or not. Just assess the, just assess the service, assess the company, assess the product based on the merits of the product. And then we'll go from there. Because I would rather do business with the biggest jerk in the world who gets me what I expect, where I pay for the service and I get the service, as opposed to the nicest guy in the world who's an incompetent idiot. And that's just the honest way that I, that I look at the hobby and the way that I present it is that, look, it's not always about dealing with the nicest person in the world. By the way, given multiple choices and you have the choice between dealing with the nice person who will do it well for you and the, and the jerk who will do it well for you, well then, you know, choose the nice person by all means. But if one of them is doing the job correctly and the other one's not doing the job correctly, I don't care which one of these two it is. I would rather work with the one that is doing the job correctly if I actually want and need that service. And that's the part that is uh, up to you as the individual. Just some of my thoughts on it, just me having a, a riffing on, you know, International Podcast Day. So there you go. You get an episode. Uh, this will be the last episode of September on both the audio version and on the YouTube channel. I will be doing a live stream on October the 1st on Friday. And we'll be talking about more third-party graded stuff on the channel. So it'll be a very interesting conversation. So anyway, I'll leave it here. So that is episode 10 and on for, onward to the last quarter of 2021. Thanks very much for checking it out. If you agree with anything and you're on the YouTube version, leave some comments in there. I'll be happy to check them out. And if you could leave any kind of a 
thumbs up or rating, depending on whether you're on the YouTube channel or on your podcast app of choice, that would be greatly appreciated. It does help out the channel slash podcast. Otherwise, you can find additional content that I put out all the time on the Because I'm Carlos YouTube channel. All that information is included in the description. You can check it out there. Anyway, that's it for now. Thanks very much. We'll catch you in the next one.